1: Just give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter. On Harvesting Happiness on TogiNet.com. And now here's your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well being, and human flourishing. We're not talking about the annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. It comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Today's topic is something related and unique at the same time. We are talking about a -a Hapathon a -a Hapathon happening on World Happiness Day, which is Wednesday, March 20th. And with me today is John C. Havens. He is the founder of the Hapathon Project and a contributing writer for Mashable and the author of Happy the value of well-being in a digital economy. The Hapathon Project is an initiative that utilizes emerging technology to improve human well-being and drive positive social change. He is a former professional actor and a current blues musician. Wow, I like that. Welcome, John. (laughs) Thanks for being with us.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: Well, we are celebrating World Happiness Day, and let's, let's educate our listeners a little bit of, about what World Happiness Day is.
0: Sure. The United Nations um, <clears throat> decreed March 20th to be this international or global day of happiness, so there are dozens and dozens of events happening all around the world for people to focus on, just like you uh, said so well uh, at the beginning of the show, all these aspects of happiness, well-being, flourishing, etc.,
2: and we are here today having our own mini or maxi celebration because we are reaching out into the ethers we are celebrating more than 25,000 monthly downloads of harvesting happiness talk radio so we are getting the word out how important happiness matters to our lives let's talk about the hapathon project and what you are not trying cuz i i don't like conditional words like try and maybe what you are intending to do
0: Sure. Um, What we've already started to work on, we have this amazing committee, an advisory committee of over about 35 people from about 35 different organizations. Those include the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, Microsoft, Salesforce, MIT, a number of people from UPenn working with Martin Seligman, who most consider to be the father of positive psychology, just an amazing group of, of minds Um, And we have three basic aspects to our work. Um, We call it uh, Imagine, um, uh, Define, and Build. And what we mean by that is the Imagine is we've created a workshop, a number of which are happening on March 20th, but then they can also continue, they will continue throughout the year. We've designed these events, these three-hour events to be like TEDx, so anyone can run their own. And these these uh, workshops are where experts can talk about the different themes in the project we're working on, and then the uh, attendees can break into small groups and actually imagine, that's the word imagine, a world that's not based on wealth in terms of sort of moving people away from the idea of GDP. So that's part one of our work. Part two is we have a survey team comprised of a lot of the experts I just mentioned, and the survey we're trying to crowdsource, or we will be, to your point, crowdsourcing a global view on well-being and happiness, and, and by that we mean we're actually going to create a happiness indicator, and our survey is unique in the sense that once you do an input survey and answer some questions online, you can then take the survey over the course of two weeks via your mobile phone, and the logic is that all a number of times uh, throughout those two weeks, you'll get a prompt asking you about your happiness and well-being, and by that we both want to teach people about the larger ideas of well-being, uh, not just your mood, And we also want to show people how these same metrics are being used around the world by Bhutan, by the UK, etc. Those are the the metrics that the world is now shifting to more than just focusing on wealth via the GDP. And then the third aspect of our work, we call it Build. And building is we're actually uh, taking the data from the surveys that we create to a number of hackathons. And our work is actually taking place over one year, March 20th of this year to March 20th of 2014. So in that 12 months, we'll bring this data from the surveys to these hackathons, and then um, all of that information will be available in a final app. Everything we're doing is free. That will be available to download on March 20, 2014.
2: This is so cool. And I want to um, clarify for the listeners about the relationship with happiness and Bhutan because not many people know about it. It's becoming more and more um, well-known, but Bhutan, a very, very strong, small mountainous country near India has a policy called gross national happiness where it places the well-being of its it started when it was a kingdom it's now a democracy uh, of its subjects or its um, residents above really money it says that that, that in order to live a good life to live a joyful life that we have to take into account so many other aspects besides fiscal ones that breed a a healthy society.
1: Yeah,
0: you described it beautifully um, and better than I could. (laughs) uh, It's sort of, uh, I was delighted when I discovered what they were doing. and This is about eight months ago. And for me, I'm a geek. You know, I write for Mashable and I'm very focused on technology. That's my expertise. And and the, the origin of the Hapathon project for me came from a very personal place. I lost my dad a couple of years ago. And I was uh, looking at my phone one day uh, trying to find my clout score. And if your listeners are not familiar with clout, all that means is it's a way to measure your online influence. So how often you tweet, how often people tweet you, and, and it's more than just kind of a popularity contest. I don't want to minimize its value, but essentially it kind of bases your influence kind of on words, you know, on your celebrity, which is a, a fine measure. But when looking at it one weekend with my wife, I checked it about three times, and my wife, God bless her, kind of teased me. She's like, do you really think they update the algorithms or the statistics three times in the course of two hours? And she was sort of teasing me, I think, and it was a time where I actually asked myself, and I didn't mean to be poetic, but this is how it came out. I said, what is the measure of your life? And for me I said, do I want my focus to be and again this is not to be pejorative at all to clout. I've interviewed their CEO, Joe, he's a great guy. They're doing great work. But for me, my focus that day was on well how more how much more can I tweet and be pithy and funny and interesting versus my actions. I said, Well what you know, I want my kids, because I'm a dad, to see someone who's trying to make their actions something that whether or not those actions receive accolades, I can improve the world and, and change it for good. And so the Hapathon project, um, I, I you know, knowing all the ways, and we can talk more about this if you're interested, that your mobile phones, that online, you are sort of being tracked, you know, your behavior is being uh not always watched in a negative sense, but you know, uh through cookie data, through GPS, um, all those things I was sort of thinking that we were moving to a very dystopian or scary time in the future, until I discovered gross national happiness because as you described it beautifully how I first saw it was these metrics and by that I mean quantitative data much like the GDP that measures a larger more holistic view of the the health of a country and its citizens and so what I saw was oh, all the technology that I know and love now there's a framework that's being adopted globally that's sanctioned by the United Nations that is a much more holistic view of value. There's a framework that we literally could kind of hitch our wagon to, and and as we're thinking about how to make all these technologies make sense from a larger ethical framework, that 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 was the illumination that created the, the basis for this project. As I said, it's not based on morals or, or, or religion, and that, that, that those things are bad, but of course, it would be hard to agree on them around the world, but gross national happiness and those types of happiness indicators, as they're called, uh, to me it's just a perfect thing for us to all focus on as a framework. And then all these technologies and big data, it really kind of gives a big data, big data direction, and that's what we talk about with, with hackathon. And hackathon, the, the word comes from a hackathon for happiness. And a hackathon, if your listeners are not familiar with it, is where usually typically geeks or programmers, and that's always a compliment when I say geeks, Get together over a weekend, drink a ton of Red Bull, and actually build something or break down an existing paradigm um, to to benefit uh, in a good way something moving forward. So that's that's what we're trying to do. Is sort of break down in one sense, not ha- <clears throat> excuse me, not happiness, but this notion that GDP is sort of very very deeply ingrained in all of us. That in one sense, your primary value is based on wealth.
2: We are going to need to go to a break, and when we return, <clears throat> we are going to continue the Hapathon Project um, discussion and celebrating World Happiness Day with John C. Havens of the Hapathon Project, and to learn more about this really cool and exciting um, it's more than a project. I mean, you're really trying to create a movement. And I see a community, you know, a real community that can form through technology to, uh, felicitate. And I call myself a felicitator. Um, more happiness in the world. So to learn more, go to hapathon.com for John Haven's personal site. You can go to John C. Havens, H A V E N S dot Here come the tunes. We'll be right back.
1: I wanna We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on TogiNet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH. Following this short break.
3: Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook. Got happiness now: eight keys to unlocking a joyful life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com.
1: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on TogiNet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on TogiNet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen.
2: Just joining us now. We are celebrating World Happiness Day. March 20th is indeed World Happiness Day. I'm, I bet many of you out there never knew there was such a day, a celebration and a holiday, but it is. And we are here today celebrating and speaking with John C. Havens, who is the founder of the Happathon Project and a contributing writer at Mashable. And we are talking about an actual app or a HAP that he has created with a collaborative that is behind him to not only track happiness, but to really um, give it some meaning and some meat behind the yellow smiley face that we often talk about as being so annoying and not really what we're even talking about at all. So John, in in carrying on this conversation, I want to touch upon one thing that you you mentioned um, prior to the break and that was when your dad died and the process that you had gone through to uh, find a measure for your life which inspired in part the Hapathon project and I want to touch upon that because I'm often asked about grief and trauma because I work a lot in that realm and people say you know how do I find my happy place again and this perfectly illustrates this concept of creating meaning in life. You know, out of something that was painful, that was dark and uh, not particularly comfortable uh, came this other silver lining, came this happiness project. Really, it's your own personal happiness project and this is important to articulate, especially to people who are going through a difficult time, that it is the creation of meaning in life that creates more happiness.
0: Yeah, you bring up a great point where, <clears throat> you know, the word happiness is such a big term. And, of course, most people understandably associate it with mood. But as you described so well at the beginning of your program, you know, there's aspects of flourishing. There's aspects of meaning and engagement. Uh, for me, when I lost my dad and I asked, what is the measure of my life? Really, that was, you know, I'm sure for most people when they lose someone, a deep time of reflection. And uh, I forget if it was Aristotle or which Greek philosopher talked about the idea of, uh, you know, evaluating your life and living an examined life. And I think um, for me, one of the reasons that people may not attain happiness in any form, whether it's a mood or a longer sense of meaning, is they don't pause to really ask themselves, what is it that would make me happy? How can I find meaning? Uh, kind of the treadmill aspect to life, which is totally understandable. Um, all these different, uh, what I know is, you know, my expertise is all these different technology tools. Um, now, especially what's called the quantified self movement, you can use these tools to actually slow down your life. It may seem ironic, but the technology is such that you can have technology do work for you that it uh, couldn't do in the past, so you can free up more time in your life. And that that's a big part, I think, of happiness is, Is having the time to reflect um, on on what you think will bring meaning to your life?
2: I couldn't say it better myself. I want to talk a little bit about the economic aspects of happiness because, you know, we always say that, you know, that happiness doesn't come from money. And then there is sort of the dirty little secret that comes out of the woodwork when we bring up this subject, that it, it is true, that sustainable happiness, you know, that really the good feelings that we get in our gut don't really come from money. However, the caveat is that, um, once we have our basic needs met, and that's really, you know, what we all strive for, those who are out there looking to create social change and use this work to raise awareness and, and, and breed better society and culture. We want everyone to have basic needs. Basic needs include a roof over your head, food in your stomach, clothing on your body and, and, and medical care and, you know, and some money in your pocket and we don't mean millions. But beyond that, there is a, a relationship between economics and happiness in that people who self-report themselves to be happier make not only better partners and employees and parents but they perform better at work, they spend more money, and they, have, they enjoy greater health.
0: Yeah, you bring up a lot of excellent points, which is, um, you, you know, I think, and, and I'm so glad you brought it up, like, why, why shouldn't we talk about these things, you know? First of all, there's, there's tons of research that shows, almost universally, globally, that when you increase someone's uh, salary, there is an increase in happiness. Uh I think first of all there's a short term duration. You know, usually usually you get a raise or whatever else and, and you're excited about that, but that can be short lived if you um if if that's the main thing you're kind of focusing on for your overarching happiness. I think too, you you made an excellent point which is critical, which is this idea, you know, Maslow is the name of the guy that had this idea of a hierarchy um of uh of your needs being met. <clears throat> And so, you know, you and I, I think I can speak for you, we have the blessing of being able to really reflect and think on these things because in general, you know, if you can afford money to buy a, a cup of a Starbucks, you are probably, you know, you probably have most of your basic needs met. Um, <laughs> well said. <laughs> and, you know, at least I, I probably could buy a car easily on what I spend at Starbucks this month because I love them. Um, I think uh, what what hopefully people are going to start to understand again, with these different technologies that I mentioned, is the difference between um, uh, happiness and things like meaning. And let me give you an example with what I can speak about with expertise. There's, you know, technology, for instance, you may say to yourself, well, how did I spend my time this week? And you may not remember, because, you know, we're humans and our, our, our calendars may not reflect where we actually went. A simple tool like GPS, that data can tell you where you actually went. Then if you add on top of that something like a biometric sensor, and all that means is something like a Fitbit or something that has your heart rate, now you just have two data points where on your mobile phone, right, and why I'm bringing this up is these tools now in our pockets, it's not just, it's this, you know, mobile version of a computer. These sensors, right, those two pieces of data, GPS and biometric sensors, now you could see where you went, where your heart rate was raised, So for instance, the gym, of course, you could probably go, oh, I was at the gym and my heart rate went to here. Maybe you met with a friend and you can start to see throughout your day, these different sine waves or patterns where you can actually have in one sense, quantitative data that tells you, it helps you reflect on how you actually spent your time and it's not supposed to be a judgment, right? It's not saying, well, you shouldn't have gone to this place or the other. It's simply a report, kind of like your credit card right now, right? meaning what you buy is up to you, and when you get the report back, you might go, oh, I wish I hadn't spent that much on CDs or what have you. But that's where now this data, what I'm so excited about in our work with the Hapathon project is that the first part of our survey we're doing or part one of the survey is basically asking questions, asking people to crowdsource, as it were, their ideas about well-being because we have to know what other people think. We, we cannot come and say this is the definition. But the second part of our survey in in the summer of 2013, we want to introduce some of these sensors with, of course, people's permission. So for instance, if I said to you today, you know, what makes you happy? And you said, well, I love playing tennis. I said, great, over the course of two weeks, for instance, using these different sensors, we might come back and find out that you never went near a tennis court because your GPS said you never did. You never talked about it in your social circles because on Twitter, Facebook, using analysis, there's no words about tennis. But maybe you talked about um, art numerous times, and so in a positive way, there's a revelation there where data can tell you, wait a second, you thought you liked tennis, but actually, have you thought about art? And anyway, I'll I'll pause there because I can get really geeky for long periods of time. Yeah. But I'm excited because this is how the tech is going to help us reflect on on happiness and meaning.
2: Well, this was my very next question is to go to the geeky side of this whole thing in regards to privacy and identity. You know, it's like, you know, it's like a Google uh, analysis of your brain, you know, of what's going on in in your life. So some may perceive this as a possible invasion. Others may welcome it as a, a cyber mentor.
0: It's a great point. I mean, the word privacy is, is so complicated in one sense, especially now where we are in, in the world of big data, and, and, and uh, big data has a lot of different terms. It simply just means that now, again, that the sensors and things that collect information around the world have just uh, mainly just gotten cheap, like, for instance, RFID chips or other types of sensors that just record data. They used to be too expensive to be sort of ubiquitous. Now they're all over the place, and, and the, the amount of data collected is just growing exponentially. So um, one thing about people, which they don't realize, is how much that they create data, and and the same they're doing the exact same things, but there's so much more that's measuring their behavior, and and so a lot of people are calling this the personal data economy, and what's exciting for me is that it means even if you don't have a lot of uh, money, meaning actual currency or specie, moving forward, when you decide to give away information about yourself, your data that is going to be an actual currency that will help you exchange you know, stuff for goods. And uh, another thing about that with in terms of privacy is that a lot of our goal for the Hapathon project is to teach people that the way that most of uh the way that most companies ask you to get your different sort of TOC or to give your privacy permissions um, is now outdated because most of the time what happens is people will ask you for your information, click here. But then a lot of times the, the confusion is that they'll use the data. Sometimes they'll sell it to other people or they'll use it a second or third time when, when uh, at least in my opinion, from a trust standpoint, you really are, are thinking that you're only giving it that first time. So that's a whole other conversation we could have. But people really need to understand how, how their data has changed in this new this new digital economy.
2: Well, that's fascinating. I mean, as somebody who is not a techie, in fact, so far from it, it's scary. Um, you know, learning a little bit about how the, the data is used Um, it does, you know, make me uncomfortable. You know, if I'm plugging in, if I'm buying widget from place A and then my information is being sold to four other widget manufacturers that may or may not be related to widget A, you know, I think that's a little, that's a violation of my, of my privacy and information. But hey, you know, I have the choice to continue to go to a store and not buy on the internet as well. So, I mean, there's, there is a trade off, you know, for the, for the convenience, you're giving up something of yourself. Uh, And I think that that's, uh, probably a fair trade.
0: Yeah, no, um, I know. I kind of disagree, only in the sense that it's a fair trade if you fully understand what you're trading and when, um, when that will be used. Um, quickly, there's this sort of idea of kind of a Stockholm Syndrome mentality. I think most <laughs> of us now have towards, and I heard that from a great series of lectures at the Aspen Institute on Happiness, by the way. Um, but the idea like with Google and Facebook, because it's free, meaning we're not paying we think that, that means that we we um, we sort of been sympathetic with well I could stop using the service, where um, I can tell you more about that in a future question. But it's not using Google or Facebook. It's it's almost more difficult to not be you know in a picture or use search than it is to to.
2: We are going to a break. I'm sorry to interrupt you, John, but we are going to slip into a break. Like it or not, it's coming. There you have it for technology. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. To learn more about John C. Havens and the Hapathon, visit Hapathon.com. And you can find him on Twitter at John C. Havens and on Facebook at John C. Havens. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back, and we are going to continue our celebration of World Happiness Day.
1: Beginning. I wanted to make a difference. I to fight. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's
0: Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes.
3: likes to win, enter our weekly contests at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook where we give away our guests' books, music, film, and products each week. In addition, we also do great Harvesting Happiness giveaways like free coaching sessions with Lisa cypress Cayman, Lisa's books, Happiness First Aid Kits, H Factor, Where Is Your Heart? Documentary film. Happiness is an inside job. Products including the sterling silver Infinity bracelet that benefit Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, a nonprofit whose mission is to assist our returning military personnel and their loved ones challenged by combat trauma and other post-deployment reintegration issues. Join us at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook. Think is happiness like a free gift? Lisa Cypress Cayman has made her first ebook, "Got Happiness Now: Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life," available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com.
1: Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on TogiNet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on TogiNet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen.
2: Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, we are celebrating World Happiness Day with a discussion uh about the Happathon project. I have with me today John C. Havens, who is its founder and the author of Happy the value of well-being in a digital economy which will be coming out in early 2014 the hapathon project is an initiative that y- utilizes emerging technology to improve human well-being and drive positive social change and before the break we were we were talking in techland which is really could be russian to me since i don't speak it but i'm getting a basic understanding of the hapathon project and what this app um, is able to do for us. And it's really able to m- measure certain aspects of our well being and our happiness to, in part, uh, be a little bit of a journal. That kind of reminds us of our, our our mood and our activities and when we can when we glean happiness and when we are not walking our happiness talk as as John talked about, like loving to play tennis and then not seeing tennis as part of our our routines in any way. so John, let's talk a little bit about um, augmented reality and happiness indicators.
0: Sure. So um, augmented reality, there's different definitions, but basically it's uh, when you use a mobile phone, you can also do it on your PC, but it's now more common on your mobile phone. And when you hold up your phone in camera view, as if you were going to take a picture, augmented reality lets digital information be overlaid that camera. So for instance, there's an augmented reality um, app, um, called Near Subway and it's great because it's very pragmatic when you get out of the subway in New York you you wave your phone around and you'll see these floating icons like with the N or the R if you're in New York City and it lets you know which direction to go uh, uh, using the, those apps um, what is now happening you've probably heard about Google Glass which is a new technology from Google that looks sort of like sunglasses but with one lens missing and what augmented reality in glass is doing is a couple things. First of all, it, all, it can record um, <clears throat> video or photos as well as have information that's sort of perceived as it were by the lens you're looking at. And most people also think, and Google has bought a company called Vutil, uh that lets facial recognition technology happen. So what that means and what I believe and what I've been writing about for the past three years is that we're moving to a time um, we're moving to a time when uh, you'll be able to look at someone through any of these technologies, and once their face is recognized through this facial recognition technology, instantly access data about them. So maybe you'd see their LinkedIn um, profile over their head, maybe you'd see their last Facebook post, but basically it's going to be a huge ethical and cultural thing that we're going to have to deal with that I have an urgency to talk about because we don't talk about that as much as the actual tech.
2: Wow, that is amazing! No, I had not uh, known about Google Glass or even augmented reality. I am really um, working hard on on optimizing my own reality here. <laughs> And, and augmenting it in a, in a low-tech way, but this is fascinating, and it does raise a lot of ethical questions, um, privacy issues, and should be saved for another more tech-stabby conversation than this one. But I'd I like to talk about happiness indicators and how it applies to the app, because I think this is where people who are listening might might find um, some great synergy.
0: Sure, thank you. So. The surveys that we're launching on March 20th, the first one, we're asking a lot of questions, much like again when you introduce your show, different aspects of well-being, along with happiness. So although we're interested in mood and what's called subjective well-being, um, we also want to ask people things like where are you now, who are you with. Uh, we have what's called a daily uh, diary part of our our survey, which is one time. If you take our survey, it's again you can download it on an app. Um, and, uh, uh, what that means is one time during the day, you get that sort of prompt that just says really quickly for 60 seconds or less, enter in these things, right? And that's sort of a quick snapshot of your day. Then in the evening, a second prompt that of course people opt into, if you want to, there's a text box where we can ask you to reflect on your day and talk about what brought you purpose or meaning. And so once we get, uh, uh, that sort of natural language, as well as all these different answers, Um, that people can do like on a 1 to 7 scale and all that. Long story short, we feel, especially because we're doing this globally, not just in the States, we can start to get a really solid impression of how people around the world view well-being as well as happiness. And so on our final app that we're releasing on March 20th, 2014, uh, what what will happen is now the survey that you take um, will will not just be you answering questions, but you'll, we'll be able to say things like at the end of the day or at the end of the two weeks, here's how your responses matched up to how other people around the world are feeling. And then, again, uh, always in an empowering sense, um, and it's a way to try to help you optimize, also show you how other people um, have responded to help aspects of their well-being so that you could then do them as well.
2: You know what's so fascinating about this is the Gallup organization. um, Gallup uh, conducted a poll, probably about I would say five six years ago, where they actually sent real people around the world. They interviewed about two hundred and fifty thousand people from every walk of life. You know, it was a really uh, a man on the streets kind of guerrilla interview process, and, and, and captured. Some of these uh, indicators, and what I find so fascinating is what it, what took a, a, literally a, a squadron of people to do, you know, not that long ago, can now be accomplished very seamlessly and effortlessly with um, these handheld devices. Which, when you look at areas around the globe which don't have a lot of um, economic development, most of them do have access to cell phones, which is fascinating. Which people don't realize.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. In India, they have more cell phones than toilets. Yeah. And a lot of times, people think, <clears throat> "Oh, it's only the quote developed countries that have this technology." When that's that's not true at all. Now, granted, some of the smartphones, which are now getting much cheaper, um, some of smartphones like Ericsson and some other companies have you know fifty dollar units available. So that I think it's just a matter of time. But there's also places like Sub-Saharan Africa or a lot of Africa that have had mobile banking for years, which we still don't have in the States because of regulations. And when you think of the power of texting money, right, literally texting money, that's getting people ready uh, that much more for what I call virtual currency or the personal data economy, meaning getting used to sending uh, what is considered, you know, something you can exchange for goods over the phone, again africa's been doing it for years and in the states in general that would still freak us out too much
2: yeah we would we would feel as though our our privacy was somehow in, in invaded we'd be fearful for the security of our money when in fact um Things can happen, but it is for the most part quite safe and in commonplace. Like you say, in Africa, um, I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago who was saying how, you know, everybody in Africa has a phone. Sometimes they have two of them. They'll have an iPhone that they'll, that they, they'll want to look cool with and then uh, they won't be using for, um, uh, surfing the internet and then they'll have another phone Uh, uh, Or they won't be texting on it. They'll have another phone that they text from. And so they're doing some kind of crazy thing to create different kinds of applications that actually converts um, internet surfing and texting to some other medium that doesn't cost any money, and I hope I'm making sense with what I'm saying. Because <laughs> he tried to explain it to me, and I was like, "Oh, that is brilliant. That makes sense." I guess it's the difference between um, the analog systems and how the information is processed.
0: Yeah, and, and if I'm uh, the example that you're saying reminds me of, you know, there's a lot of great work being done by different nonprofits around the world those texting minutes and and basically you know if you have a phone and you receive messages and part of that means your your provider your phone provider can also text you messages right on occasion whether it's ads or whatever that that time that may be unused there's a lot of great work where people are asking to donate that time for then basically broadcast messages meaning so if there's an emergency in a country for instance and uh, all of the citizens who have a certain phone have X number of minutes where they can receive a message for free, then basically that emergency broadcast system has now just moved from a radio, right, a, a you know, sort of older, um, still very relevant medium, but be, meaning not everyone has access to it, to something that's mobile and, and is something that people have. And whether that's audio or text form, it's, it's brilliant in terms of how much it's also helping to save lives, increase commerce, it's a really helpful tool.
2: Very cool. So I'm glad that you understood what I was saying because I didn't completely get it, but I knew that you you would. (laughs) So (laughs) let's talk a little bit about how people can reach the Hapathon to take the surveys, join the work, join the movement, and get in the spirit of perpetuating World Happiness Day to make every day a happy day.
0: Well, thank you so much. Um, uh, March 20th, our website, Mm Hapathon.com. Uh, the new site will be live, and uh, you go to the survey portion of of the site and click on it, and it's pretty simple. You click on the terms and conditions. We have a little bit of language there to describe how we see data and how precious your data is, and so we describe how we're going to use the data so we can be clear and teach people about that. Um, and then once you take the survey, uh, like I said, for two weeks, either on your Android or your iOS, meaning your, your uh um, your your Apple phone or online, uh you answer these different questions and at the end of the two weeks you get a, a sort of snapshot of your how you feel about well being and also how well being is sort of um, how you sort of look in this sort of portrait of, of these these metrics. Um, the other thing we have, as I mentioned, is these events that we do um, uh which we're calling the Hapathon workshop. These we've designed like a TEDx where people can actually download a PowerPoint that you'll see on the site when you go to the uh, the Imagine tab, and that's our events tab, and people can actually do their own Hapathon, like the events that we're doing on March 20th. And the logic there is that uh, all we ask is that when people um, do these events, um, at the end of them they break into small groups and come up with ideas on how to save this fictional country called Eudaimonia. And they film themselves with these
2: answers. (laughs) I I love this. I'm sorry to interrupt you. We we do have to go to a break, but I love this eudaimonia. I mean, eudaimonia, just for those um, who don't speak Latin or Greek, I want to explain that there are two different kinds of happiness. There's hedonic happiness and eudaimonic happiness. And hedonic happiness is the lustful kind of happiness, the kind of joy we feel when we get a person, place, or thing we desire. And the eudaimonic happiness is when we find meaning and purpose in our lives and something that is, is sustainable. So, you're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. That is great, John. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I want to give the plug where people can find you and the Hapathon at www.hapathon.com. They can find you personally at johnchavens.com. On Twitter, you're John C. Havens. And on Facebook, you're John C. Havens as well. And the beauty and pleasure of being with a techie is everything is unified and flows beautifully. We'll be right back. I wanted to
1: fight. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on TogiNet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break.
2: According to the American Academy of Family Physicians, up to 20% of Americans experience some form of the winter blues because of variables like weather conditions, post-holiday debt, and lower motivational levels. In addition to these seasonal factors, everyday annoyances, like traffic or phone issues, may make the difference between a cheerful day and a challenging one. Leading happiness expert Lisa Cypress Kamen knows
3: just what to do when it comes to achieving happiness, even in the face of common daily frustrations.
2: Start each morning with a routine that makes you feel organized, prepared, and ready to take on the day. For example, enjoying a daily glass of cold, refreshing, 100% Florida orange juice could be just what you need to begin your day on an upbeat note. For a quick and easy mood boost, Lisa recommends going for a walk outside, listening to your favorite
3: inspirational song, or simply taking five deep breaths to bring you back to the moment with a
2: rejuvenated outlook. For more happiness tips and helpful resources, visit Facebook.com/slash Florida Orange Juice.
3: A part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting
1: Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Cayman.
2: Welcome back to our final segment of Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Today, World Happiness Day... We are focusing on a very cool project that merges the softer side of happiness, joy, and well-being with the techie side, and we are talking about the Hapathon Project, and I'm here today with John C. Havens, who is the founder of the Hapathon Project. He is an author. He's a contributing writer for Mashable, and we are talking about the Hapathon Project that has gone live, and it's the merging of, you know, science, technology and psychology really, and we're going to spend a little time here talking about the techy side of um, the hapathon, the geeky side of the hapathon. So John, tell us a little bit more about the technology and how you are merging the science and psychology and art of happiness with your project.
0: Thank you so much. What a lovely introduction to that the segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, it sounds so noble, which I hope it is. Um so um, <clears throat> one thing that uh, occurred to me is, you know, when you study happiness and well-being, and you know this, of course, with your expertise, there's so many aspects to that. There's subjective well-being, there's positive psychology, there's the physiology of happiness, you know, when there's a dopamine increase in the actual physical changes that can happen in your body. So one thing that I'm fascinated with and what my expertise in is in these different emerging technologies that um, I love writing about for Asher So a couple of things, as I mentioned in a a previous segment, what we're doing is part of our work is creating surveys to ask people to crowdsource their ideas about well-being, right? So they'll they'll respond with their answers and that is their truth, right? They are giving their answers, whether you call it subjective well-being or anything else, those are their answers. But one thing that I wanted to try to point out to people that we are with a project, and this is because we're human beings, is that a lot of times what you say and what you do can be different, and also what you think might make you happy and what actually makes you happy or brings you well-being are two different things. And I speak for myself. Until I met my lovely bride, uh, that is also usually mostly personified in poor dating choices that we all make. You think this person's going to be perfect for you, and um, uh, you, you know you you start you're with them and you realize they aren't. So. A couple of the tools that we'll be using in part two of our survey. So part one is releasing today, March 20th. In the summer, uh, part two of this survey, for the people who opt in, there's different tools that we can use. So for instance, on our committee is a great guy named Neil Lassia who works with the University of Cambridge in the UK. Uh, he already has come out with uh, an amazing tool called Emotion Sense. So this is an app that we can incorporate in our app, or we hope to incorporate, I should say. And it's it's simple in one sense. It uses the microphone in your iPhone or Android phone, which is now very, very sensitive, and it can articulate 14 different emotional states from your voice. Now, it's not recording you, right? It just knows, uh, and these 14 uh, emotional states are mapped to, like, you know, international psychiatry standards or something. So it just means that when your voice rises in a certain pitch or timbre, that could indicate rage. When it drops down to another level, that could indicate sorrow or weeping right so now if you start to think even with just that one sensor that microphone throughout the course of a week the data that you could get back about how you actually felt about different things that's one information point then the second thing is GPS where were you when these different things happened right then add on top of that you know when you if you're on Twitter or Facebook the words that you say about yourself And so what I want to hopefully be able to show to people in this project is this sort of three-tiered aspect to happiness and well-being, right? What you say, right? And that's what I actually am saying to you right now. And that's sort of who I want to be perceived uh, as, or it's also my truth. I'm speaking my truth. Then there's sort of the avataristic side of of our happiness. When you go on Facebook or Twitter, you still are yourself, but you're probably a pre-thought self. You know, you want to be pithy or interesting. Or you may say, oh, you're actually feeling, but you still typically are aware that you're saying something into the, you know, the Twitter sphere. Then the third is what I just articulated, sort of the quantitative measurements of, of your actual actions. Those three things combined, we think, will provide a really powerful way for people to reflect on themselves. And like the analogy I gave earlier with a person who says they love tennis over the course of two weeks, but it comes back to them that they're never near a tennis court, but they are often, say, at an art store. That's what I'm so excited about is that in a positive way, people can learn how much uh, about their lives they may have missed when they can see it in front of them where it's not done in a judgmental way. It's just meant to say, here's a report of your life. And similarly, um, uh, just wrapping this one thought up, that's also basically the metaphor we want to give between the, the GDP and something like gross national happiness. Where if you're looking at your, your your wealth or your value mainly through the lens of how much money you have, um, that's just one point of data where why not look at yourself through the lens of all these different things, your health, your education, how your words help others. And that's what we really hope that the tool and our project can help individuals as well.
2: Well, this is incredible because it's really uh, an exploration of truth. You know, it's the three angles of the truth. You know, what you say, what you do, and then the the, re- the reality. And I, I, I like the fact that it promotes congruence. You know that we are able to begin to uh, walk our talks more more regularly through this. So I, I do see the value of this technology. And then we're talking, you know, in the previous segment about you know the um, the privacy or the the possible senses of uh, the invasion of privacy. And in reality, what you're doing with this application is um, promoting this growth in a very private. Environment, you know, nobody knows about this. It's between you and that and those sensors. What's going on? You know, you, you may be reporting those metrics back to uh, the, the mothership, you know, so you can analyze it. But your personal self-growth and how you're measuring and, 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 and the information is a private matter. And I do think that that's very cool for people who may be resistive to go to therapy, for example.
0: Yeah, and therapy is a great example. There's tons of work being done with technology. Very simple. It basically models the Alcoholics Anonymous mindset of having a sponsor. Where say I was struggling with a certain... This is not our tool, by the way. We do not claim any therapeutic aspect to our tools. I mean, hopefully there are, there are positive therapeutic things, but it's not the technical right, word. Right, right. Anyway, so if, there were, if I was suffering from clinical depression and there were 10 friends who volunteered to sort of be my digital sponsor, What that means is if I gave just them access to your point in the closed private loop, then say GPS-wise I started to go near a bar, right? That might set off some kind of a red flag where you might get a text, hey, John's going near a bar. Similarly, say I'm going to my ex-wife's house. That's another place we've identified as as a worry spot for me. Likewise, if I get on Twitter and I start using negative language, so through sentiment analysis we can see that my words, you know, oh, I'm bummed today, I'm depressed, I'm upset, those start to add up to a critical mass where those 10 people then can be texted very quickly, you know, hey, John, uh, or, or hey, friends of John, get in touch with John now. And so that's how this technology is being used, especially to, to, in a drastic, wonderful way, just transform health. The Quantified Self Movement is just doing so many gloriously wonderful things to help people just alleviate physical malady. And that's another thing we're trying to incorporate into our work.
2: Oh, fascinating and I, I it clearly clearly there is some amazing work that's going to come out of this it's going to help a lot of people it's going to unify a lot of people it's going to give measures that we haven't had before and um as a a non geek i i really i really like it you know i mean anything that promotes happiness and promotes it in a a way that is inclusive is, is all right by me. Um, I have a personal question for you. that I'm, I'm, we, we asked this question when we first started the show a long time ago and then we kind of got out of the habit and I'm making a commitment to getting back into this starting today, World Happiness Day. And that is, John, what is your happiness? Well,
0: that's a great question. Um, my happiness is my family. You know, I'm I'm blessed to have my wife. I always say I'm married up, uh, which is very true. And uh, my kids, my happiness on a personal level is, you know, my faith in terms of um, why I believe there's a higher purpose to my life. And by the way, that's not sanctioned. It's not the whole Hapathon Project's focus. We are not religiously or faith-based at all. Um, but my happiness is also very much in the Hapathon Project mindset, Um trying to establish a meaning and let people know a core part of our project is to let people know that they're worth more than money.
2: Amen. Amen to that. I I I love that. Um thank you for sharing that. It is um it is it's helpful to ask people this question and to have them pause. And you know, this is I'm sure part of what you're including in, in, in the app. Um because when we stop and think about it, when we're really able to be aware Of our surroundings, our environment, our feelings, it generates more happiness. And if if we are in a place of discomfort, it allows us in that pause to also intervene. You know, to create some sort of intervention that will get us out of that difficult or blue spot. So we have just flown by another hour of purpose-driven media designed to inspire and delight you, our listeners, to create more joy in your lives and within your communities. To learn more about the Hapathon and today's guest, John C. Havens, you can find him once again at Hapathon.com at John C. and let me spell Havens. It's H H-A-V A in Victor E-N-S-S. No, H A B E N S dot com. That's a single S. On Twitter, he's John C. Havens. On Facebook, he's also John C. Havens. And to uh tweet at me and connect with me, please do so at H H Talk Radio and Lisa. Cayman, And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and Meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress Kamen and John C. Havens wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember happiness is an inside job. Happiness is is your inside job and I want to give a shout out to the team that stands behind Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio each and every week and these are our producers at Toginet.com. they are J. Dog Barker and Eric Anderson and to Kelly St. Clair our producer at Harvesting Happiness that tirelessly researches prepares and Creates amazing lineups for this show, which is growing by the day, by the week, by the month. And um, if you like what you hear, please spread the word because happiness is a positive emotion that is positively infectious. So share, share your happiness, share your joy, and please share the Happathon with others. This is a really cool pro- a project, John. Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Somehow
1: Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable...